0: in the den <laughs> we're in the den this is radio zaza short for radio zaddy and uh this week we've got another week of queer topics for your perusal this is the podcast where we get more queer than usual i don't know we're i thought queer... you were
1: going to say more queer than you and I was, that's more. we're more queer
0: than you no i think I'm pretty I queer think... if you're listening
1: to a <laughs> queer podcast prod- podcast wow. we're just gonna prod you with queer
0: <laughs> anyway Daisy how are you?
1: I'm not too bad thanks Hannah. Um even after that intro even <laughs> after that intro you know we can only uh, we can only progress for next week exactly we can only do better next time. Yeah I'm excited I'm excited for today's yeah? Uh, recording yeah I am. Okay. Um I had a lot of fun uh researching uh this week's topic. And I'm back at work this week. I had a couple of weeks of annual leave. Uh, so I've been um, sort of thrown back into my inbox, kind of surfing surfing the inbox and the, the waves of terror that, um, oh God, that yeah. lie within. Um, so this has been a nice kind of uh, respite for me. Uh, I find it really some... weird getting used to calling it annual
0: leave. It's a really like businessy thing and everyone in my work calls it annual leave because you don't always go on holiday when you mm. take holiday. And, yeah. And especially now when you can't go anywhere. Oh, this year it's
1: definitely annual it's just, leave. It's, it's you're just not just on your holidays. Yeah, we're just this is... at home still but not working. It's the leave you must take before the <laughs> annum is over. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It seems to be that there is no 2021 at the moment. Uh we're kind of asking our clients to do lots of planning. People are asking me if their contracts are going to be extended and at the moment it's the 31st of December and then nothing and then yeah. avoid of that nothing. Thing. Well, that's the, the wasteland by T. S. Eliot.
0: Is like the wasteland. <laughs> oh, this is the way the world ends. And but the the thing is with with thirty first of December is that's when Brexit needs to be finished, and so that will change a lot for a lot of people too. And so, like, uh, I mean, I was having a bit of a time. There will be no jobs. There will be, no, there will be no anything anymore. That will, Nunca. It, that will be the Nout. end. Will Nish. snap out of existence. But no, I was talking to my manager because I had a day on Monday where I was just like, I don't know if I can sit in this little room. Anymore working <laughs> centimeters from where I sleep, <laughs> and I was like, "What if if I just decided to bail on the UK and rent a cottage somewhere in the middle of the Italian countryside and take my work stuff and work from home there? How okay would that be?" And she's like, mm, "Well, you wouldn't be the first person to consider it, <laughs> but just just wait till after Brexit, because then you'll know what your rights are in terms mm. of
1: working abroad." And I was like, well, "Okay, if it's a month, you know, a month here, month there." A month in Amsterdam. Go do a month. In yeah, Rome. I suppose it would be a very different situation if I said coast. I was going
0: for like a month rather than in. In this situation, I was more being like, I need. To I leave. think I'm going to leave the UK forever. And she was like, All right, maybe we
1: think about that. Fight more. fire and with I was fire. Like, no, your Brexit from Brexit. <laughs> exactly. That's not a bad shout. I would absolutely. Yeah, I'm absolutely considering something similar. And whether it's whether it's just waiting for London to kind of rear its rear its head again and you know in a good way or, um or just riding out the storm somewhere with a bit more sun as you know spring comes mm. it's gonna be a long winter yes yes it is um, but what can get us through winter queer shit queer shit which uh, brings me on to my uh, my topic for this week uh, quite nicely queer and uh locational oh um right where do i start uh, we're all familiar with gay villages Uh, Usually a small oasis within a larger city that becomes a hub for LGBT culture uh, due to the close-knit arrangements of queer pubs, bars, restaurants, boutiques, bookstores, sex shops, you name it. All the big cities have them. Uh, Think Soho. In London, just yep. down the road. Uh, Canal Street in Manchester, yep. Kemptown, Brighton, and... Kemp, uh, Kemptown or Kemp, Town, Kemptown. Camptown right, 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 yeah. would be too, uh, would 2 uh two Kemp Kemptown in Brighton and uh, Broughton Street in Edinburgh, otherwise known as the Pink Triangle.
0: Oh. Um, so those
1: are all sort of examples of gay villages and kind mm. of small, maybe like one strip of you know, nightlife um, and very centred around, like, you know, queer-owned businesses and things like that. These are all fairly well-known city hotspots for anyone looking for a gay staycation. But sometimes us queers want to stray... Gaycation. ...from (laughs) the swells of the city and retreat into nature. Yeah. As uh, we have done very recently.
0: Oh, yeah, we have. Um,
1: So I've been considering this. and Like, you know, is there something... More than a bonded shop or a drag bar that attracts queer people to a certain town. Um, I suspect yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, although who doesn't love a bonded shop? Uh, and then uh, to choose to live there, yeah, uh, and actually put some roots down—that's something quite. That's something quite different. Mm. Like often we have to look beyond the cities that come across as accepting um, and inclusive on the surface. The places we flock to for pride celebrations and for nightlife, uh, for those smaller pockets. Of the country where the LGBT community feel comfortable to truly live and express themselves all year round. Mm. So that's my so that's my yeah. sort of topic for this for this week. Last week, uh, Hannah and I uh, we took a road trip to Hebden Bridge in Yorkshire.
0: We did indeed,
1: uh, commonly known as the lesbian capital of Britain. The former mill town has become a budding spot. For gay men and women to take up residence, with its small bohemian craft shops, cosy vegan cafes, gorgeous walking routes, friendly pubs, and rolling trees, tree-covered hillsides, uh, it's really welcoming. I th- uh, which yeah, I found, I feel th- it was it was really
0: welcoming. It was lovely, Very and I also, I also think that once you label somewhere like the lesbian capital of the UK, <laughs> then the lesbians are going to come. So it it's out. like a self-fulfilling prophecy, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it definitely is. <laughs> um, uh, it's really welcoming and. Uh, you know, traveling as a group of visibly queer people, uh, that was something we all noticed. It felt like it felt comfortable um, mm. and safe. Yeah. Importantly, you know, from the get go, from yeah. as soon as we arrived, it wasn't, you know, I didn't feel that anyone was staring or, yeah. you know, people were just very unfazed. Yeah. And that is something
0: that like i am I'm actually, I'm quite acutely aware of is when I think people are staring mm. and I just, I just didn't
1: feel under anyone's gaze. Yeah. Gaze. Nobody's watching it because people are just getting on with their own, you know, their own shit. Yeah. You know, there was no need to sneak out into the depths of night, into the depths of the night to find, you know, sticky, CD bars in the rough part of town to find our people. Mm. We were already with our people and we were just getting on with it and going where we wanted. Yeah. Uh, so the lesbian and gay community seemed to be extremely well integrated within the town. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Um, everyone getting along and coexisting. Yeah unlike London, where you have uh, you often have to venture to specific areas like Vauxhall or Soho mm, to find yeah. those independent places catered to queer folk, yeah they're sort of they're sort of scattered in pockets and you have
0: to go there yeah you have to go to it yeah it's not, it's not just a part of life you know? yeah
1: queer queer owned businesses aren't typical across the city they're in you know they're in Soho they're in Vauxhall um, yeah. Clapham uh and I can't think of too many other places Like Dalston, Dalston yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah like that's where queer owned businesses sort of thrive and flourish because people are already you know lgbt people are already there Mm. and hebden bridge uh it has a it has a bit of a it's been a bit of a laid-back hippie hub since about the 70s i remember you saying Mm. um when an influx of artists and creative types arrived there supposedly for the cheap house prices Mm. and of course the lgbtq community followed suit Uh, There was no segregation that we saw in Hebden Bridge, as many um, of the local business owners and staff were openly gay. And so nobody really looks twice at us because, you know, why would they?
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was like, although like maybe we don't know necessarily if they are openly gay, but they were visibly gay Mm -hmm. like a lot. Just in in your sort of regular shops, your bookshops, your co-op. And I just there was just a lot more representation, I felt. I felt like I was seeing myself reflected in a lot more places mm. if that makes sense and just you know we went to a bookshop and they had a little stand of Gentleman Jack books and my partner asked you know do you get a lot of people coming and the owner was just really really happy to talk about it and was just like yeah we get loads we get like busloads of American <laughs> tourists come and ask about Gentleman Jack and they're really into it and it wasn't the kind of ever so slightly hushed tone that I'm kind of used to mm. um of people being like yeah yeah well you know some people are sort of into it you know they find it quite interesting she was like yeah the lesbians they're here for the gay shit (laughs) exactly yeah yeah it was just like they love it because it brings i guess i guess on one hand like it brings in custom Mm.
1: and that's a really good
0: thing and then you you learn to love your customers but actually there was a kind of warmth there too
1: yeah and it was it was quite it was quite subtle really um It was sort of a a cloak that gets thrown over your shoulders on the way in, you know. It wasn't rainbow flags, like, streaming outside every shop and Mm. lining the streets. It wasn't, you know, it was much more reserved than that. It just was more of a feeling when you were walking around. And when we were in those shops um, and those small businesses and just people's demeanour and attitude was just totally, totally different. You know, it wasn't a a drag queen meeting you for brunch. It was just... Mm you know somebody taking your order and and not narrowing their eyes or anything like that yeah which is actually it was quite sort of shocking when i when i tried to work out later why i felt different and Mm. yeah how how safe i did feel
0: it's just yeah there was not there wasn't that kind of you're right that pause Mm. that sometimes you get when people are like just usually just before they say like ma'am or sir or something and they're just having a quick look and there's panic they were just like all right yeah, and it
1: must be really hard in you know places like Texas, where the as an example, where the common you know the language is really gendered naturally, and people are referred to as ma'am and sir, like yeah. uh, you know to be polite. Yeah,
0: that's a really polite thing. I had some American neighbours that uh, had lived in Dallas for a while um, before they moved to the UK, and the kids were all taught to always address adults by the ma'am or sir, and there's not an alternative, there's not a- anything in between, and so. If you're trying to be polite, it kind of does throw up a bit of a conundrum. Mm. Yeah,
1: language is 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 interesting, isn't it? And I think growing what you're what you're taught and what you grow up with is so key mm. um, in how you and you know the process of unlearning. You know, it it is it's tricky, um, but it can be done. Oh yeah, it, it can, can absolutely be done. be done. It just takes a bit of work y'all mm. who are allies so here's a fun fact hebden bridge is said to have more lesbian women per square foot than both london or brighton oh my god per, um, square, foot. <laughs> per, per square foot i don't know who did this who you know, measurement. down the set square <laughs> not the set square what's it called The pedometer uh, no no, not pedometer they have these little like yeah, 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 square the,
0: grids that you throw yeah. onto the grass and you have to count the plants what's in between them the, you know, whatever.
1: <laughs> <laughs> who was doing that but that's great yep um so that that was a fact that that came off uh, came out of the internet <laughs> uh, so Hepton Bridge is one of the most inclusive places in the entire country, according to the Yorkshire Post, there are almost five hundred people registered in same sex civil partnerships in the area. it's quite a lot you yeah. know not bad statistics for a steep kind of sleepy town on the outskirts of Halifax yeah it's quite It's That's
0: quite nice. very sweet it's very sweet isn't yeah, it yeah I don't know it's just something lovely I think at, like at one point I looked in the window and I saw like a cute little gay couple just sat watching tv and I was like <laughs> so
1: beautiful so just pure, doing well, so normal, handsome, Yeah. normal things together it's so lovely I think that's that's so key and I was I was just trying to like inter- I've just been thinking about it all week mm. like trying to interrogate why you know why that is so comfortable and and you mm. know just seeing those little moments of affection and and people just living their lives yeah. you know uninterrupted and you know without kind of threat it was just was just really lovely yeah I think so
0: when I was younger I like i'm not really sure if it's as much the case now but i all oh, i think i really struggled with not having any older queer people in my life mm. not having any kind of idea of what my older life would look like didn't my parents didn't know any lesbian couples they yeah. knew plenty of gay men but not not lesbian couples so it was almost like i couldn't see myself growing up at all and then you you sort of lose that idea of needing ambition or, or sort of planning how your life's going to go because there's just no there's no future mm. for what you see. Mm. And being in somewhere like Hebden Bridge and seeing sort of older queer couples just like having a nice sleepy retired time, it does it's very comforting because it on the one hand it it shows hope that like I can grow old and be happy yeah. in a in a queer relationship and that that's that can happen.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, whereas a lot of the other imagery of of queer relationships you see played out on like you said in sticky gross Mm. uh clubs and bars are only depicted as very young young people younger really even than than we are you and i and so it's almost like we've had to find our own way without a kind of role model to model ourselves after Mm. whereas going to somewhere like heaven and bridge and seeing what it could be like is quite i think you're right just
1: comforting yeah you need to see yourself represented um Mm. In, in different walks of life and you know, at different stages of life, you know, there's yeah. a lot of there's a lot of young queers in London. There's a lot of students. Mm. There's a lot of transitional um, and and temporary people existing in London and here for the nightlife and here for for. St- for studying and for education and then you know that people get priced out as well and you don't see that stage when you know when people do withdraw and kind of move out of London and move to the outskirts of the city or the countryside you don't tend to see that narrative and um, mm. play out so it's very hard to see yourself reflected you know it reflected back on you yeah it's hard to see yourself it, through I into guess that future it
0: also kind of seeing that legitimizes your kind of hopes and dreams yeah. Or like yeah it just legitimizes the fact that I think I'm too old to go out now, Daisy. I get really hungover, and I like I like going to bed and being cozy and warm, and like I like hiking. I can't help it, so I just you know it legitimizes that future mm. rather than being like, no, you have to be eternally youthful. So I
1: looked uh, I looked across the pond for some um, some other examples, um, and around the world actually in uh, the United States, you know, I think immediately of uh, big cities um, mm-hmm. such as San Francisco, of course, but also of, uh, smaller towns. Mm like uh, Austin mm. in Texas, really? uh, where 5.3% of the population is LGBT um, oh, and nice. is known for its vibrant arts and culture scene, um, you know, very much like Hebden Bridge. Mm. That kind of, you know, arts and culture came first and, of course, within that falls the LGBT community. Um, Amazing. Uh, even though Texas isn't typically seen as being hugely uh, inclusive, mm. the LGBT population in Austin seem to be quite settled, which is nice. Yeah, well, I think... Like
0: Texas is about the size of Europe. Yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's huge. So it makes sense that there's there would be a variety of thought mm. within that. Mm. That it's it's massive. It's yeah. absolutely massive. Yeah.
1: Um, the town uh town of Austin is absolutely perfect for small business owners and prides itself on being weird. Nice. Um, which is, is queer. Which is <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, weird and and you know, and queer. Uh, also, it's got a banging poetry scene oh amazing let's um, go so if you yeah if you ever want to take a trip to austin with me i'm absolutely down to go watch them yeah 100 huge huge slams i want to get know, some cowboy boots from... <laughs> yeah poetry <laughs> and cowboy boots here we come Uh, Local LGBT resources uh, in Austin include charities such as Out Youth, Mm. uh, Atticus Circle and Equality Texas, which all aim to improve the lives of queer people by supporting families and encouraging allyship and inclusive community integration. So perhaps that is something to consider why certain areas are more popular for queer people. I don't think it's a happy accident that places where there is more local acceptance, organisational support and resources are more likely to be a natural place for queer people to flock to and plant some roots mm. moving on uh, to tucson arizona uh, is extremely popular with lgbt students nice. uh, as it is home to the university of arizona's institute for lesbian gay bisexual and transgender studies i'll oh, do it <laughs> uh, which is uh, the first university of its kind That's to amazing. have that yeah. program. Yeah, so an obvious choice for, Queeries, for baby yeah. gays and babies um, and uh, academics, very serious, serious, academic serious queer.
0: queer academics.
1: <laughs> they don't have any fun. No, no, no. Oh no, no, no. Only really
0: seriously queer.
1: Yeah, if you're going to be queer, you're going to be serious about mm, it. Oh yes. Provincetown in Massachusetts has I've always been popular yeah. um, <laughs> with artists and bohemian types um, who flock to the area for the nightlife um, and stay for the uh, boutique living. And uh, of course, the legendary, legendary parties in nearby Cape Cod. Again, good mm. Viking, good for, hiking, good for being being queer and cute, yeah, being queer and cute. Some of uh, the local festivals in uh, Provincetown include Bear Bear Week, not the animal, not the animal. Oh, goodness. Uh, Bear Week, Women X of Color Weekend, mm. uh, which is a pride event to elevate, educate, and celebrate uh, LGBTQ plus women, trans, mm. non-binary, and gender-fluid people of color. Uh, and the long-running Fantasia Fair, which is a week-long festival for the transgender community, hosting a variety of workshops and keynotes. That's so that all happens yeah. in uh, in Provincetown, Massachusetts. That's Columbus, amazing. Ohio, which yeah. I didn't um, really? expect to be on the um, on the on the list, but found it during some research. Uh, has a 6.7 percent LGBT population. Again, quite quite mm. large. I'm not sure I understand
0: like how this translates as people, but, <laughs> but I appreciate the figures. <laughs> It's massive and it's just Ted and he's hella gay. (laughs) It's really big. I'm just thinking of like if I I had a room of 100 people, 6.7 of them would be queer. But I also can't imagine 100 people. So I'm stuck on that. (laughs)
1: Uh, So Columbus Ohio is actually uh, one of the highest... in the u.s yeah highest with uh, highest lgbt population in the u.s after new york and san francisco oh wow um local organizations include stonewall columbus and equality ohio which mm. provide community resp- uh, support and political engagement unfortunately it is still legal to discriminate against lgbt people in most parts of ohio so as with austin um columbus seems to be the exception not the rule at mm. the moment um, and this is often the case around the world you know small havens popping up for lgbt people to feel safe in and find community Yeah, and i think that is really key but having having the kind of the buy-in from the locals and the buy-in from you know the wider the town as a whole to support the lgbt community makes it really inclusive it's not just about having you know a pride festival or or a gay bar it's about having yeah, yeah. support and it's you a, know organized support
0: yeah yeah it needs to be more integrated into the society as a whole that you're moving mm. into like not just surface level i think um one sort of genuine yeah engagement
1: yeah Yeah. so um something yeah something to look at if you are kind of looking for you know a longer stay or, or a home rather than just kind of traveling through yeah uh, you've probably heard of this but uh palm springs in california oh yeah uh, elected america's first entirely lgbt-led uh, city council in 2018 hey. um holy shit the gays are in charge um <laughs> it's gonna which, be great <laughs> but there wasn't a huge song and dance about it it was just you know people they were just sort of ushered in yeah. and you know they didn't plaster flags anywhere or you know or paint the town pink it it was just the candidates were elected based on their professional merits and ultimately voters cared more about uh, the policies on on roads and, and and policing and homelessness rather than the sexual orientation or gender identity of their leadership yeah so that yeah. was a really that was a really cool story to read that is nice uh, here's a quote from uh, xavier persad uh, of the human rights campaign which is a, a charity uh says uh, when cities enact lgbtq inclusive protections they send a clear message that they value and welcome everyone attracting the country's top talent and spurring economic growth mm. Mm. Yeah. um and we, we spoke about this when we we're talking about sort of queer brewing and, and about kind of including pe- including people in in whatever industry it is mm. um you're allowing you're allowing growth and you're allowing an economy economy to flourish and you're allowing people to set down roots and feel comfortable and kind of you know buy into a lifestyle and i think we as we can see with some of these smaller towns in the us lgbtq people are looking um to move away from big cities in search of something a bit more affordable and a bit more just realistic and a bit you know a bit more natural um so somewhere that values the LGBT community and actively promotes an inclusive environment mm. you know while the nightlife in london and brighton uh has always felt very accessible for our community it's perhaps not very sustainable uh economically yeah you know you can't go out every you know maybe you can if you've got a student loan but to kind of live here you wouldn't necessarily be going out every single night and i think it's mm. it's maybe hard to move somewhere with that kind of expectation that that is what you will be yeah well where you'll be finding if, even your if it's not that sense of purpose because like, you can't, you yeah you're right you can't go out every night
0: but also i do other things yeah i want to support queer like businesses in other ways other than going out and drinking in queer bars yeah where's my
1: queer reading group
0: yeah exactly that was we were sort of enticed when we were in a cafe in Hebden Bridge and they said that we might be kicked out of our seats because they had a writer's group coming in we were like can we join are they queer can we join (laughs) yeah I want to I want to engage better I used to have I used to have a running joke with a friend of mine that I used to work in a a call center with we were going to open uh, a queer cafe for the for the low-key queers mm-hmm. just where everything was just it was just, it was just quieter and calmer and you could come in and there wasn't it wasn't like a loud bar where you had to shout to speak to mm-hmm. your friends it was mm-hmm. just somewhere to chill but also be queer yeah and i was, i've been old for a long time basically i've been old before i was old and i just like to but have it a nice takes, quiet you know, it time it takes
1: more than just plastering someone someone with cheap drinks and loud mm. music and you know, a couple of flags. Sorry, I'm hiccuping because I've got... a uh a lovely cup of tea on the go. While a big city can appear to welcome you with o- open arms, it takes more than that to keep you warm. Mm. Uh, where a city could invest a lot in a grand parade or pride event such as Sao Paulo in Brazil, yeah, uh, which hosts the largest pride festival in the world, attracting nearly 4 million people wow. to its carnival-style parade, as well as its many bars, bathhouses and sex clubs. Mm, but it's well known that Sao Paulo's um, LGBT community sadly struggles with violent homophobia abuse the rest of the year and you know you have to take a city's pride offerings with a pinch of salt as they may not reflect they may not be reflective of what it's like to live there Mm -hmm. um, day by day yeah and I think things like that
0: can be so can be so bitter as well because you if you live there and you're Mm -hmm. experiencing daily harassment or violence maybe not daily violence but like you're you're experiencing violence and harassment in your life and then once a year there's a huge parade and people flock in to enjoy it yeah that would it would be be so painful to be like look enjoyment and celebration of my community but I'm still suffering day to day yeah and it's almost like in those situations it almost feels like that pride is for the straight people
1: yeah almost you know or the city a city is benefiting from
0: from the th- commerce from
1: people coming in and spending a lot of money mm. over you know a really short space of time in celebration um but it's not kind of investing that back in the community yeah and it's yeah. not protecting people who are, are actually living there and wanting to yeah.
0: programs for change or like yeah. um inclusion it's just it's literally just going into a few people's pockets and none of it's trickling down as yeah. Well, yeah and
1: you know you don't want to be fearful of of your life you want to be able to provide for your family and and you know and feel supported not just by the community but by your local government and you want to feel safe walking the streets which mm. is something i think we were very privileged to feel in in if we was let's was back around the globe um places like amsterdam of course mm-hmm. uh featured as a top lgbt friendly holiday destination mm. um but in general like amsterdamers have an extremely relaxed and tolerant attitude towards many different lifestyles so not just us queers and I think it's places like that that you need to look for Yeah. what's different is that Hebden Bridge is seen as a destination mm. somewhere for a gay person to call home and not simply pass through so if you are a lesbian or a queer person looking to move to the joyous Yorkshire Valley is apparently the local tip off mm. um, and we drove past this place um, is to venture just a bit further down the road from Hebden Bridge to Todd Morton for even Cheaper house prices mm. um, where you 'll find plenty of small business opportunities um, alongside countryside living so oh, we cute. can buy up that uh, that hostel and fill it with um, sort of traveling traveling quiz. Um, <laughs> Travelling queers. It's like we're going to have circus tricks.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> well, I was, I was we, going, are magi- yeah. we are magic. What would you... So if we, let's say, Daisy TG, if you and I... Oh, I didn't introduce us. I'm Hannah Bestwick. This is Daisy TG. But what... Better um, than never. Yeah, well, exactly. You
1: haven't got it by now.
0: If we, um, if we bought a house for mm-hmm. our, our, ourselves and our queers um, in... Todd Morton Todd Morden uh, what would our business be
1: hmm. I mean we could sell uh we could sell hiking accessories we I could sell I do really love hiking
0: accessories <laughs> <laughs> I have more than I really need
1: well, they have they had some they had some quite pricey um, outdoor shops didn't they there um so we can maybe do a kind of budget shoestring there's some sort of pan here that I'm using on missing. the shoestring shoestrings shoestrings shush, 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 shush. I haven't had anything to drink I swear yeah we could do that yeah 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 poetry workshops uh, oh, we could definitely. do little takeaway the takeaway poetry cafes um, takeaway poetry ca- cafes mm, Poetry take, take experiments. away how? Uh you know you write a poem and oh and you take your poem with you you do <laughs> well, or someone could request a poem um you know, have you not heard oh, of the po- no, poetry takeaway? No, I haven't heard about that. Poetry takeaway is a is a travelling uh, burger van. that uh, They fill with poets at various festivals and yeah. it pops up um, around the country. And you go you have a chat with a poet, um, for you know a couple of, about ten minutes, and then you go away. They write you a bespoke, unique poem. Oh my god, and that's so cute! When you come back, there uh, they share it with you. Tears are shed, and it's it's a beautiful oh, experience. So beautiful. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's do that. Sorry, mate. <laughs> okay, sorry.
0: I'll let you finish. <laughs>
1: um, kudos to uh, Michael Bulger for the genius behind the poetry takeaway. Mm. I digress. Uh, it's really encouraging to see a um, like. Mid- quite a strong majority of women-led and queer-led businesses thriving in hebden bridge uh, but the thing i keep coming back to is that people the people we met just seem to be really kind accepting unfazed and kind here's my final piece of evidence um for why hebden bridge is the kindest uh, queer place in the uk um that i've been to All right lay it on me uh, their annual pride festival is called happy valley pride uh, but the catalyst for this festival to be launched was actually in response to a piece of homophobic graffiti that the locals just said no no and they just wouldn't tolerate it and they Mm. said um not in our town not in our town and in response to that um they decided to host a pride festival awesome uh, Mm -hmm. instead and that is the icing on the cake for me and it kind of centered around uh, this piece of graffiti and they just they customized it and they made it you know, really inclusive and really beautiful. Mm. And um, when is when is there a festival? I mean, sadly, it's uh, cancelled for the foreseeable future. There is no out- outside festivals. No. But was it, hang on, wait, wait, was it like summer? I'm guessing. Yeah. Summer festival, yeah. I mean, it's pretty flooded in the
0: winter from what you've told that me. That makes sense. I, <laughs> I did say that, actually. No, no, no. My partner said that. But um okay, yeah, so next year. Let's go. Coronavirus permitting. Yeah. We've got to go.
1: Slash, if we're already living there. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> At this rate, we might be. Yeah,
0: no, that was was really great.
1: Yeah, I just think it's an interesting thing to consider, you know, the difference between visiting and and staying. Um, And I think Hebden Bridge did have a a sign up um, about, you know, when the recurring visitors and how to be, you know, how to become a local, um, Mm. uh, you know, the loyalty of being local. And there was a kind of, there was... It did feel homey. Yeah,
0: there was a, I don't know, maybe it's just because I, I... Immediately had a huge affection for it because mm. it was just lovely and cutesy and villagey and, like, near hills where I could go walking and things like yeah. that. But it had, had this feeling of being like, you you can you can live here if you want to. Yeah. Like, not just, like, I uh, not just me thinking I could live there, but, like, there was just that kind of openness of being, like, we weren't treated just as tourists. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, you know, you can often in places get a real cold shoulder when they know you're a tourist and just be like, oh, you're only here for a few days. Sure. Whatever. You're just going to come and leave. It was real. There was a real warmth and a real like welcome there. That Mm. that was it was really it was really nice. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Check. Yeah. Check out the local, you know, the local places. If you can't go further afield, you know, there's plenty to explore in the U.K., check out the charities and the organizations that are doing the work and even if the local councils aren't necessarily um doing it there will be charities and there will be lgbt-led yeah. organizations and there will be groups you can join and events you can attend and it it's that that kind of makes makes a home yeah than yeah just, you know i don't want to live in Dalston Superstore. I don't, I don't, <laughs> please don't make I don't me want to live, live there. above a club.
0: <laughs> uh, I stayed with a friend once. I came to London for Pride, um, which was uh, whatever. Um, but he lived above a club Ooh. that was in an old. Um, an old pub so it wasn't it was not soundproofed and i slept on the floor not on a mattress or anything i just laid down on the, sound on the floor <laughs> and i could just i remember i was very drunk so it didn't really matter that much but i could i could feel the ground under my head throbbing and i was like this is not great and then i fell asleep at uh, what well,
1: rather i passed out and those out. days um i hopefully look you know well behind you hannah they and they are I i'll see you know. on the rolling hills of yorkshire <laughs> exactly in a woolly jumper with a dog
0: very nice. Perfect. <laughs> Thank you, Daisy. It doesn't really lead on to my thing that I'm going to talk about today, but I mean, it, it kind of does. There's a little bit about sort of going to find your people in, your city, in, in the big city, sorry, with other queers and things like that, but um, it's a bit, a bit tenuous. So I'm actually <laughs> going to t- tell you about the life of Marsha P. Johnson. Very briefly, I'm going to mention the Stonewall Uprising, but actually I tried to fit like a comprehensive explanation of the Stonewall Uprisings within Marsha P. Johnson's life, but it didn't really, there was just too much to say. So I think Mm -hmm. probably next week I'm going to do the Stonewall Uprising, but this week I'm just going to talk about Marsha P. Johnson and her life, and very sadly, her death. So Marsha P. Johnson uh, was born in New Jersey um, on the 24th of August, and I've not written the year (laughs) for some reason. (laughs) It's apparently not important. New Jersey. Um, Her father Malcolm Michaels Sr. was an assembly line worker at General Motors and her mother Alberta Claiborne was a housekeeper. Marsha P was was, um, Malcolm Michaels Jr. but Um, changed her name once she moved away so she started wearing uh, dresses as early as five years old which is really I just think that's really cute Uh, you know kids just they they do what feels right Hmm. and they're not not yet sort of bound by a kind of idea of what other people think about them and and you know it's I think it's also part of play and just expression isn't it yeah experimentation and expression and I think it's also just like a really beautiful illustration of just how kind of innate this part of her personality was She was five years old. She didn't like there was nothing illicit about
1: not yet an activist. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. But she she did have to stop wearing the dresses when she was living in New Jersey because the neighborhood boys started harassing her, which is really sad. And she recalled once that her mother had said that being gay was like being lower than a dog, which is such a such a sad thing to say. I remember Mm. like my mum once telling me that I asked her in a covert way. I was like, what would you do if my brother was gay? And she was like, oh, I'd be very sad. And I was like, "Okay, noted. <laughs> I will not be gay." Then uh, turns out <laughs> we'll like you doing can't. That. Yeah, you can't just not be gay. But anyway, yeah, her mum. Her mum said, "You know, it's like being lower than a dog." But in some sort of later discussions, Marsha reflected that actually her mum didn't know about the LGBT community, and that there was a community. Mm. And I think that kind of shows a bit of reflection that actually maybe if she'd known that there was a life out there, maybe her view would have been different. Mm. I think that's one of the things that my mum said is mum's ideas were based off her friends in the 70s, really being yeah. disowned and things like that. And just thinking that actually it would be a very, very difficult life.
1: Yeah, I mean, queers in the news at that time, it was it was a lot of negative press and, mm. uh, you know, a lot of pain and um, and torment. And of course, you know, why would you want your child to go through something terrible and to be, you know, abused and to be, you know, and killed and arrested and, you know, and terrible things like that to happen to them um and if that's seen as sort of the only you know there's no good news out there a lot yeah. of the time and there's not that kind of fair representation of positive mm. um you know happy ending in a, in a family and, and it doesn't show the community support and and um, how much and how, how much, much love and,
0: and sort of expression happiness and joy there can be yeah and comfort. um but sorry yeah she was she was born in, in 1945, which I, I had forgotten. Uh, very <laughs> a very good year. A very good year. She said that you know because of her experience in, in New Jersey, she thought that just being at that age, being a gay man, was a kind of dream, like an unachievable thing. And so she didn't explore it at all mm. when she lived at home, but knew that she needed something. So at 17, she took a bag of clothes and $15, which is about $133 in today's money. When she met uh, and she moved to uh, Greenwich Village uh, in New York. New York City. Exactly, in 1966. And started waiting tables to help like, make a bit of money. And it was... Um... It was there that she finally met some fellow queer people and finally felt like she could come out and be um, sort of open about who she was. Mm. Um, so she took up drag, uh, not high drag because that shit is expensive, which yeah. is all like the boring those and wigs, jewelry, and <laughs> yeah. and those wigs and everything, the padding. Um, but but drag nonetheless, and she used the moniker initially uh, Black Marsha, um, and she later altered that to Marsha P. Johnson. Uh, Johnson from the Howard Johnson's restaurant uh, on Forty Second. Um, Is that where she worked, or I think it must have been where she bust tables. But mm-hmm. um, the P stands for Pay at No Mind. <laughs> uh, which is a phrase used sarcastically in response to questions about gender, mm-hmm. um, as in a kind of like it's none of your business. Pay it you no know, mind. pay it no love mind. It. Um, and I read, I read actually in one act- anecdote that she'd said to a judge once, um, who asked her about her name. and What does the P stand for? She said, "Pay it no mind." And they, the judge was so amused that they let her off the hook for whatever she <laughs> whatever she was in there for. Yes. And I just love that, just being like, "Oh, right, go on, you cheeky queer, off you go." Mm-hmm. And at the time, um, you know, she she worked a bit, busting tables. Was also on and off homeless, transient, and um, did some sex work to mm. get by. Very um, common narrative,
1: isn't it? You know, at that time, moving to New York, and
0: yeah, and, yeah. and homelessness is 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 a particularly bad problem Mm -hmm. within the lgbt community a lot of a lot of queer kids get kicked out at young age just for being who they are and there's some sort of there's some kind of i don't want to say debate but there's lots of different ways people refer to Marsha. so some articles i read referred to her as he as a gay man um really still yeah yeah and and because a lot of the, the kind of descriptions of Marsha was that she did drag, not that she lived as a woman. And some people in one article just use they them pronouns the whole mm. way through. I think um, for some people that feels like a safer alternative, but even it may still be wrong. Mm. Regardless of that, at the time, a common term for sort of queer men or effeminate men or drag queens, cross-dressing people who, liked, who would just like to wear um, the opposite gender clothes or generally gender non-conforming people were called transvestites. Yeah. Yeah, which is now quite an offensive term. It's very broad, sort of dismissive of the intricacies of who we are. But Marcia is said to have used that word sometimes to describe herself. And that may be just because um, it was the only word yeah, that, that was close enough. It just shows
1: how much language has, has changed and constantly adapts, doesn't it?
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: I think uh, in one place I read that.
0: So is probably what people would m- more closely define today as like. Gender, just gender non-conforming you know she never identified with the label transgender but equally that was not really a term that was that not was a changed. common term then was no, it no 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 and and even like then in the 60s i think that actually transsexual wasn't even that widely used mm. which is like now people don't use transsexual they use transgender rather and it's uh language has evolved to help explain who we are and like how we express ourselves and why we express ourselves in the way we do but the language wasn't wasn't quite there yeah at the
1: time yeah these people obviously existed um and were on you know on on record to be everywhere but it's it's just a case of how we sort of classify it now with hindsight and with the language you know the tools under our belt yeah exactly it's a lot of um
0: retrospectively identifying and and unfortunately Marsha's not around anymore to tell us how like how she would identify Mm. with today's language and that's not to say that today's language is even the best it can be like we Mm. still have Mm. so far to go and there's it's you know there's a lot of um there's a risk in thinking that we now have the best idea yeah you know in any respect of life there's a we're done we we fully evolved (laughs) as a people because
1: we haven't like we've got so so far to go in so many respects um, the uh, poet andrea gibson uh, they they have a on their merch t-shirts it says uh my pronouns haven't been invented yet, which I love. <laughs> anyway, go on. That's really good. So yeah, there was a one description of Marsha in a
0: Village Voice article in 1979 that just said she is both masculine and feminine at once, and and just in quite a, a positive, mm. uh, in, um, embracing way. You yeah, know, she she is everything that she is, and that's that's fine.
1: Yeah. You know? Um.
0: So you know, I mentioned that um, she did drag. So she was one of the first drag queens to go into Stonewall, the Stonewall Inn once they began allowing uh, women and drag queens inside, because it, it had originally just been for gay men. Right, um, and she was known for her bright wigs. She would put Christmas lights in her hair, or even she would have um, fe- uh, flower crowns because she used to sometimes sleep underneath the tables in the Flower District in Manhattan. Hmm. And she
1: homage to that. Yeah,
0: exactly. She'd gather up leftover flowers um, or discarded flowers and make flower crowns. So there's a really beautiful picture of her sort of beaming at the. Camera in this really fancy flower crown. It's really, it's a really beautiful picture. And like I said, she seemed to have spent some time homeless. Sometimes made extra money through sex work. Not always, you know. She was bussing tables too, um, and was. And this was all sort of kind of par for the course um, for queer people at this time. Is that you would live a kind of transient lifestyle. A lot of people were denied work. It wasn't a choice, you know, you couldn't keep a job if someone found out that you were frequenting gay bars and things like that. Once she got to New York, she she sort of made her found family, you know, she she made her own family. But she did maintain her Christian um, beliefs. You know, many of uh, many of her friends would call her Saint Marcia because she was kind and caring, and she would still be she would often be seen in local churches, like praying for those that were close to her. Mm. She had a very close relationship with a friend, uh, Latinx yeah. uh, Queen Sylvia uh, Rivera. Who, yes, yeah, she ran away from home at eleven and lived on the streets in New York and met Marcia in 1963. And she said that Marcia was like a mother to her and always looked out for her and cared for her like nobody else ever had. And it's just to run away from home at eleven is. Mm. Can you can you remember how how small you were at eleven?
1: Yeah. yeah, eleven is. Really you don't know a, what the world is doing.
0: Exactly, and it, it's just such a scary time. And and it's so like warming to know that there were people like Marsh out there to like mm. take her in and and look after her and, and yeah. sort of. Care, show her love yeah you know that's sort of what it seems like is that she showed her love and, and acceptance that that um others weren't oh care, yeah
1: it. care and tolerance and you know those two really basic you know often parental parental um functions Ooh. that are so often missed um missed out on by lgbt youth and, and and adults sadly yeah
0: yeah exactly so part of that found family was the stonewall inn which was at the time owned by Ooh. the genovese mafia uh, did you know <laughs> no. and was operated without a formal liquor license because ah, it yes. was because yeah. it was a known gay bar they new york's the new York state wouldn't grant a liquor license to gay bars okay so it was illegal but then there's some sort of some stuff about the fact that that was kind of the point Wink, because wig, there was nudge, lots nudge. of other illegal stuff maybe going on i don't, uh, there's a whole bunch of stuff i'll, I'll kind yeah. of get into a bit but pay
1: more. you no mind pay no mind uh, so you could pay
0: the price of three dollars to get in Mm-hmm. which wasn't insurmountable for somebody who was panhandling, like begging or, or, or just trying to make some money somehow on the streets if they were homeless. And that would get you in out of the cold or the intense summer heat that you get in New York as well. And with your entry, you got two free drinks or like two drinks tokens with your entry um, and you could dance and have fun. So most it's other... like quit- a co-op, it's great. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. It was very bare bones, you know, there wasn't very much uh, there and the plumbing would... They'd go all the time there was no running water behind the bar so it's only (laughs) alcohol but yeah most other queer establishments wouldn't allow you to dance Hmm. because just being together and being overtly gay or like obviously gay could get you arrested for being disorderly in the 60s Hmm. um but in the stonewall inn you could dance and so it was a refuge uh, and it was a refuge for all races uh, underage queer kids homeless queer people Hmm. anyone who needed a place um to be a place where they could be um themselves and to feel safe and um, the city is a, a, a scary place if you're on your own yeah um, and you could find other people like you there um marcia was part of the Stonewall uprising she said you arrive fashionably late at 2 a.m uh, on the first day of the riots when the place was already on fire and the police had <laughs> lost control so she said that she sort of turned up and was just like well this is all,
1: this has gone to shit, hasn't guess it? guess we're doing this now.
0: Yeah, and she was, you know, uh, when she did arrive, she was part of the vanguard, you know, lead, leading the way, screaming that she wanted her gay rights now. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was there on the second day as well. And actually, the riots went on for a, a, like I think about six days in total. And at the end of it, there was you know thousands of people yeah. block for blocks around just. There to support uh, the queer community, but after the, the Stonewall upri- uprising, that's that's all I'm going to say on that really, um because like I said, I'm going to do it more mm, next that week. That happened. I, I promise. You'll find out what It next happened. Time. It was it was a big deal. Okay, but following the Stonewall uprising, John Marsha, I'm going to call him Marsha, not Johnson, joined the Gay Liberation Front front and was active in the G- Gay Liberation Front Drag Queen Caucus. Uh, caucus meaning like collective apparently or assembly mm. um had to had to google that one <laughs> it's not a a raucous I like. caucus a raucous caucus i'm sure it was and on the first year anniversary of the stonewall rebellion uh or the uprising on june 28th 1970 johnson marched in the first gay pride rally um, which was then called the Christopher Street Liberation Day because um, the Stonewall Inn is on Christopher Street. Mm-hmm. And as Marcia moved on with her life, she kept up her activism throughout. Um, she and Sylvia co-founded the Street Transvestite Action Revolution revolutionaries or star organization.
1: I was hoping that was a good acronym.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> star. And in nineteen seventy two they opened the Star House, which was a shelter for gay and trans street kids. And they paid for the rent with uh money they made through sex work, which is, you know, a Brilliant, way to make it's yeah. a way to make money, Brilliant isn't course. it? And while the house itself was not focused on performance specifically, Johnson was a drag mother of Star of Star House, which is a long-standing tradition of chosen family in the black and Latino LGBT community most recently sort
1: of depicted in pose yeah really beautiful yeah. Uh,
0: really great hilarious amazing drama i think
1: it captures it so well you really get a feel for how it does know, how and it has was it the them... different houses and the conflicts yeah and... <laughs> exactly
0: it has such a great representation of like actual actual
1: trans actors yeah. playing trans people and it's it's just really good feel uplifted one second and then the next moment it's <gasps> oh, you <crying>. it drag <laughs> you through but you know it is it's a it's life. It's truth, yeah. you know, and it, you know, it's, it's a the terrible, of tumultuous a history. And you know, it was a, it was a riot. It was a protest, and it was, you know, some dark times mm. as well as, uh, you yeah. know, a fuck ton of glitter and ball gowns. Yeah, exactly. And so that's yeah, uh, ballroom
0: culture and just found family and and looking after each other. So jo- mm. uh, Marsha worked to provide food, clothing, and emotional support and a sense of family for the young drag queens, trans women, gender nonconformists, and other gay street qu- street kids living on the. Christmas of a street docks or in their house on the lower east side of new york so it wasn't just who managed to get into the house you know hmm. she extended her her activism and her reach her love to even even kids that weren't even se- i i want to say weren't even seen because they were still on the street yeah. you know and that's something that's um a big problem is that as a homeless person, the people just don't look at you. Yeah. They don't look at you or see How you. do you feel part of any community? Exactly. And she was going out and, and trying to provide food and clothing and just love yeah. to these kids that were not loved.
1: Good old Marsha. Mm. So in
0: 1973, John uh, Marsha and, and Sylvia were banned from participating in the Gay Pride Parade by the Gay and Lesbian Committee who were administering the event. So they said they weren't going to allow drag queens at their marches claiming that they were giving them a bad name, which is so shitty. No, 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 no. So shitty when um, people like Marsha and Sylvia were, like, on the front lines. They were, you know, they were at Stonewall throwing bricks at the police and, like, fighting for their rights and doing all this beautiful work for trans and queer Mm. kids and... Um, true activism yeah exactly real r- like really making a difference and putting their money where their mouth was and just like put giving back you know and so their oh, response so sad. was to uh, usurp the parade and they got in front of it and just marched at the front instead <laughs> you know anyway and they were like well you know she was not going to be quite uh, silenced good so uh they generally regarded as um a generous and warm-hearted saintly Marsha johnson could turn angry and violent um especially and 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 sometimes very depressed when under severe stress and some felt that this this kind of like angry pained side was they they separated it from marcia as malcolm okay so malcolm was her her um the name her parents gave her but she could become very nasty and a vicious and violent man looking for fights you know she'd she'd sort of try to start fights and later in her life she seemed to sort of become increasingly uh, sick and fragile and shortly after the 1992 pride parade Johnson's body was discovered in the Hudson River and she died at the Mm -hmm. age of just 46. She was very young. And initially police ruled that death as a suicide. But Johnson's friends uh, and other members of the community, Randy Wicker, who was a close friend of hers that she'd lived with between the uh, 1980 and 92, um, said that, you know, she was never suicidal. Mm. There was no note. There were and she there was apparently a, a large wound inside of a head there wasn't too much detail on like how that was suspected to be made whether or not it looked like blunt force trauma or something uh, trauma but something mm. or something but there were also reports of um people in the area who were known muggers uh, there were some people who said they'd seen fights of homophobic slurs with someone yeah. that looked like Marsha. claims of people getting drunk and bragging about killing a queen called marcia and mm. um, but these were all ignored by the police um and locals later stated that the law enf- law enforcement Law enforcement just did not care about a black gay man, um, let alone like a black a um, black yeah. trans woman. Which is <laughs> believable.
1: Yeah, that's a really common uh common narrative, unfortunately, mm, isn't really it? Really common narrative and so Especially, you know, homophobic and transphobic abuse being ignored or, or even covered up. Mm, um and trans women disregarded suffer sexual violence, physical
0: violence at an incredibly high rate. Yeah. Um and historically the police have just not wanted to know which is terrible. But, uh, so although it was originally ruled a suicide in December 2002, police, a police investigation resulted in a reclassification of Johnson's cause of death from suicide to undetermined. Although not, like, it's not vitruly, conclusive, but, yeah. it does mean that they're not they're not just ruling out as, like, oh, she killed herself because she was a depressed mm. trans woman. And in November 2, 2012, activist Mariah Lopez um, succeeded in getting New York Police Department to reopen the case as a possible homicide. Mm okay in more recent years there's been an increased interest in marsha p johnson as a key figure in the gay liberation front, front. and there've been a number of like murals uh, put up on walls in various cities tributes across the usa 2012 documentary pay it no mind the life and times of marsha p johnson and the 2017 documentary the death and life of marsha p johnson and she's appeared as um, like a fictional character in a number of films and the new york times pu- published a belated obituary in 2018 which oh, is actually really? it's quite it's quite nice so i want to mention a few of my favorite things that have been done in her honor so a large painted mural muriel Not an old lady. (laughs) A large painted mural depicting... painted (laughs) herself and uh, we we told her not to. I always struggle with that word. Depicting uh, Marsha and Sylvia went on display in Mm. Dallas, Texas in 2019 to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. Mm, The painting of the two pioneers of the gay rights movement is in front of a transgender flag. It claims to be the world's largest mural honouring the trans community. On um, Friday the 1st in 2020, the governor of New York announced that the East River State Park in Brooklyn would be renamed in Marsha P. Johnson's honour and it will be the first New York State Park named after an LGBT person at all, ever. Wow. Yeah, so that's a big deal. And in August 2020, it was announced that Johnson's hometown, Elizabeth, New Jersey, would erect a monument to her.
1: Hooray, statues.
0: And so I just, yeah, I just think that, like, Honoring her. We and especially about. with like <laughs> yeah it's it's like it's not it's not it's... it's not fixing a problem yeah but in the current spirit of tearing down statues of um colonizers and slave owners and things like that putting up a statue of a, a black trans and... woman who mm-hmm. was giving back to her community is a much better thing to do and like we can't do anything now it's for really her in her death other than honor her. Mm. And I think that it, it speaks to I don't know, to me, it speaks to me that see, like, having a statue of a queer person is an indication of honor. Mm. You know It's not just like, oh, I can read it in, in like the small print in a book that this person was queer. Yeah. Um, I can see it in front of me. And Marsha P. Johnson is a very, she was very proud. You know she wasn't gonna be mm. told to be anything other than she was, and so it's not like you can straight wash her you can't you can't remove her history, so to see a statue of her, she is overtly queer, and that's how she won it i think that that sends a message to queer kids that like you can be what you want to be you can you mm. can achieve greatness, yeah, you know, and maybe maybe Marsha's life was like in in many ways sad and it ended sadly but she mm. gave so much love yeah and she had so much care and like a, she gave so much back to a community that really needed it at the time yeah, yeah, and yeah. I think that's worth honoring
1: yeah, yeah people who are, have fought for you know fought for liberation and for freedom and for human rights Um and we're you know still having to fight and it's still a protest it's yeah. it's not just a party as so many people have said and I think the coverage recently, in recent years, has been more focused on this idea that pride was always supposed to be a riot, and mm. you know, if that kind of if one's if one isn't free, we're all not free, you know. And we yeah. have to go further, we have to go beyond, we have to think about, you know, our, our, our trans community um, within the LGBT um, you know, queue. It's yeah, it's yeah, you know. need to think about homeless queers, young queers, people who, you know asylum seekers migrants people who are falling outside of outside of any <laughs> any norm and it's those people that get left behind and i think we need to just you can't we can't pull the ladder up behind us as as you know whether that's because you're cis or, or white or mm. you know whatever
0: yeah yeah i think that's a, a really evocative image of pulling the ladder up behind it's like well we made it now so like
1: oh you we later, good lads. yeah
0: or, like, see you later other people because we were not free till we're all free, and that's important. Yeah, and I think I think for me, like as I, I felt as I was researching this, I just felt so incredibly ignorant because I I always thought that Marsha P. Johnson was just just famous for her involvement in the Stonewall riots, mm. but she did so much more than that, and that yeah. was important, and that was a catalyst for like the gay rights and gay liberation movement. But she did so much in her life for so yeah. many people that she she touched the lives of personally yeah and i think that that yeah she had a huge impact and she was a wonderful woman and the world is is like bereft of her now yeah and i think that her story can inspire a lot yeah
1: young people any age really need to see yeah need to see that there is you know a future there is a you know family there is somebody to welcome Mm -hmm. them at the other other end of a journey and you know it's a constant mm. journey right and just to know that there are people who have got your back and yeah. I feel so lucky that here in here in London we have a really strong community um even you know even with the restrictions and and COVID-19 and all this um all the stuff that 2020 has thrown at us we have to remember that we are stronger together and to have those people in le- positions of leadership and mm. you know and inspi you know, inspirational people pulled forward in in the media and and f- queer lives covered yeah. in in museums and and st- in statues and on mm. the TV and, and in the news and positive yeah. news and and families and yeah. we need the you need something to look up to and to and to aim towards.
0: Yeah, I think maybe there's there's something in it about cuz cuz as you were saying that I was just thinking like it's also it's also okay to be completely unextraordinary. It's okay to just live like a quiet boring life, but you need to have the the freedom and acceptance to know that that's allowed. Mm. And I do you know um there were probably many ways that Marche was unextraordinary and just was an average person, but the fact is she used her time to do many great things um and it's important to remember. But yeah Anyway, that's that. Oh, thank you. You know, that's I always okay. love to
1: hear about Martha P. Johnson.
0: And... Yeah, I think I probably what I need to do is borrow your "Gay for a" day. what is it? Gay, not "Gay for a Day." <laughs> that's not it, because I am gay every day. Your a, a gay day. a day?
1: Um, the Gay Book of Days. Gay Book of Days or Gays? De- gay Book of Days. Okay, and I thought a... it was the Gay Book of Gays, and I was like, that's just double gay. <laughs>
0: love it. Okay, yeah, Gay for a Day. Gay for a Day. <laughs> okay, Gay Book of Days, and just go through and like pick a gay yeah every now and then or like you know because it's it's gay as shorthand for queer pick a queer any queer yeah don't show me you'll be safe here yeah exactly (laughs) queer any queer you'll be safe here (laughs) Uh, thank you so much that was great yeah all right guys thank you for listening and we'll see you again in a couple of weeks take care Bye -bye. bye